0: Welcome to Champions Battlefield, the show where we talk with champions and discuss their story of overcoming adversity. My name is Trevor Carroll. I'm here with John Olshani. In this episode, we will be speaking with former BFL amateur welterweight champion and current BFL pro welterweight champion, Chris Buckwiss-Anderson, who's got a really unique story, and he's going to be taking us through a little bit about that.
1: Hey, Chris. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Thanks.
1: Awesome. Thanks for joining us. It would have been nicer to have you here in the studio, but Skype's fine as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks
1: for t- taking time off of your training. I know you got a fight coming up in, what, two weeks here?
2: Yep,
3: yep.
1: Probably spending a lot of your time training, so thanks for coming out. Why don't you just take a few minutes and tell us about a little bit about your childhood, where you grew up, and what, what things were like?
2: Um, so uh, I grew up in uh, Comox Valley. This is where I was born, and uh, I went to school here. And uh, growing up, things were things were all right. I mean, uh, I, I struggled in school a little bit. Um, when I was younger, it was always like getting into fights in school, and uh, instead of doing my work, I'd like uh, distract other kids with uh, crazy noises and stuff like that.
3: <laughs> what
1: kind so, of
2: noises, uh, man? <laughs> what kind of noises? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. Like whatever, whatever kind of noises I can make, like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not too sure. Nothing uh nothing specific, like all kinds of all kinds of crazy stuff. But I was always getting sent home from school and so of course I'd get in trouble at home and I spent a lot of time being grounded and stuff like that, but but I guess that's how I had fun was like uh it was like my game to mess with the teacher or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I I wish I was better at uh playing sports when I was younger, like growing up but I really I wasn't very athletic growing up I, like I think it had to do with my diet like I was like addicted to candy like straight up like I would skip breakfast and like try to hustle up like 75 cents so I could hit the candy store before I get to school and and I, I think that was a, a big problem growing up was my diet like I, I was real small and skinny and just not very athletic man and uh, but growing up it, Growing up, other than uh, being in trouble all the time, was uh, was pretty good, you know?
3: What's
1: much, you, you mentioned you were getting into a lot of fights and stuff. What was what, happening there? Were you were they pushing you around, or what was the deal?
2: Yeah, you know what? It, it was usually, like, other groups of kids trying to mess with me, and then I was just like, well, like, I would just stand there and be like, well, screw you guys, and then <laughs> try to fight with these groups of kids. And then what's funny is they'd go tell the principal on me, and they'd be like, those five their words versus mine, so they're like, "Well, all these guys are saying you were going crazy." <laughs> Those are the guys whooping my ass, and then I'd get suspended. Then I'd go back to class. It was, it was just a nightmare, man. <laughs> but like, I'd always show up to school early, and that's when it would all happen. Like I, I, I don't know why. I just like to walk school early, and I'd wait outside the, for the doors to open at 8:30 or whatever, and these kids would be there, and, and yeah, we. So first we'd, thing in the morning,
1: you were getting into the scraps.
2: Yeah, yeah. Then I'd go right to the principal's <laughs> office, and, and <laughs> I'd just was... sit there. And they're they're trying to ask me why I'm going crazy, and I'm just saying, "Hey, man, I'm just waiting for the door to open." And these these kids are calling me names or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so then I start start saying things back, and then but then it's all them all their word versus mine, right? So. so this,
0: I, growing up, I, you're uh, you're. First Nations right so uh growing up in a a small town uh in the Comox Valley was there any uh any difficulty with like prejudice or is that some of the stuff that you um you encountered when you were younger
2: well a a little bit yeah like it, it was something like if if someone knew I was native that was like something they could throw in my face if they needed to right but for the most part like 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 for me it's a little different because uh if you look at me, you don't. You're not gonna really notice I'm native, if that makes sense. So, it, it, like randomly, people aren't gonna come up and say derogatory things to me because they're not gonna. They're not really gonna notice that. But if someone I didn't like knew that, they could. They could say something. You know that 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 was just something they could use. You know what I mean.
0: Growing up, uh, also, I guess. Um you see a lot of uh, First Nations youth around the country that uh, probably don't get the opportunities that uh, a lot of other uh, ethnicities get. How does that make you feel when you uh, you see that they don't get the same opportunities that someone like yourself would get or somebody in, like, a, a larger community would get? Um,
2: well, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, that's not good, right? And... Uh I think not a lot of people really know what's going on in these little communities or what it's like, because they're not exposed to it, right? But like, because uh, half my family is native and from reserves, I've kind of I've kind of seen into that that world a little bit, you know? And um, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, nobody should be denied an opportunity, especially kids when it comes to sports or education. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, of course, uh, it's it's not a good thing.
1: Chris, what's, uh, tell us a little bit about later in your, sort of when you're a teenager, you told us about these these issues you were having at school. But outside of school, things were okay, or are you having trouble with the law? What's going on there?
2: Uh, well, yeah, outside of school, I mean, I did all kinds of silly things, you know, throwing eggs at cars or uh, like one time when I was, I think I was like 10 or something, maybe 12, me and my buddies like broke into this car lot. Well, we didn't break in. There was enough room under the gate, we just crawled under and we we kind of trashed the place and got in trouble with cops, but it was always that kind of stuff, you know? Um,
1: Nothing serious?
2: um, When I was younger, no, it was just silly things, you know, shoplifting, again, back to the candy thing, stealing candy, that kind of stuff.
1: Well, things change when you grow up a little bit? You said not when I was younger. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you take us forward a little bit when you're, you know, 16, 17 years old, just kind of growing uh, up.
2: So when I was 16, I uh, I actually just left high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in grade 10 at the time, and I got through half the year, uh, just barely passed. But then I, I, I really just kind of gave up after the first semester or whatever it was and my GPA actually went down to 0. 0.0. I remember I remember showing everybody. I was like, "Holy shit. I was like, look at this. Have you ever seen a 0.0, 0 before?" Yeah. And uh shortly after that, like I left school and um basically to hang out with my friends who were, you know, smoking weed and drinking uh drinking beers and breaking into cars at night, like basically I didn't want to miss all that stuff at school, going to bed early and that. So so I actually started leaving school to hang out with those guys and and get up to no good.
1: And that did that continue for a long time?
2: Um yeah, I mean about 4 years like it
1: I mean did it, it uh, did it start escalating as you got I assume it started escalating as you're going through
2: For sure. Um actually the the stealing and that kind of stuff kind of went away, but the drinking like got w- way worse. Like like it was, uh, it was pretty bad. Like I, I pretty much at one point was was doing nothing but binge drinking.
3: Mm.
1: What would you say was the lowest point in your life that that you hit?
2: Um, uh, probably when I was about eighteen or nineteen, and I remember I, I had some friends who, like, they were addicts themselves, and they like sat me down and were like, "Dude, you're gonna die. Like, you're drinking too much." And I kind of laughed it off, right? But I me- I could. I think that time, like, I was in pretty rough shape.
1: Mhm. So what's, about, uh, go ahead, sorry.
2: I was going to say, yeah, about, when I was 18, that summer was pretty bad. Yeah. But, uh.
1: So tell us how you were, you, you weren't very athletic, you said at the beginning. How did you come across martial arts? Did you seek it out, or was it someone you met? How did you, what's the story there?
2: Um. Well, actually, the, uh. Uh, the, the guys I was hanging out with, uh, went to the boxing club and they knew, like, real basic stuff. You know what, I'm, what I mean? Like, some arm bars. They knew, like, what mount was, what half guard was. Like, super basic jujitsu and wrestling stuff. And, like, that's where I first started learning moves is because, uh, we'd get rowdy and these guys would be tapping me out. And so I'm like, what, well, what are you guys doing here? And they started showing me some moves. And then pretty soon I was, like, tapping them out. But then years went by, and then I started watching like Ultimate Fighter. Uh, it was season two that uh, when I started watching. Yeah. And that like that that's when I really got interested and wanted to train. But uh, I I think I was too intimidated, and I didn't really have I didn't have the money to uh, get get all the gear right
3: mm-hmm.
2: and to pay membership and blah blah blah. So so I never actually did go down to a club. I just kind of, I would just watch fights on, on the laptop, kind of obsessively, actually. And, uh, and I'd try to learn moves and then I'd, I'd, you know, I'd actually do those moves like all my friends when we got drunk and we'd start wrestling around. I'd be like the only guy pulling out an Oma Plata <laughs> <laughs> while we're, while we're drunk at the park. But, um, it wasn't until I met Bronson, uh, Peterson. Mm-hmm. I, I met him one day at a party and we we're just kind of, yakking about about mma i think he had like four fights or half a dozen fights or something so uh so i gave him my number and uh told him to give me a call one day and let's train and so actually one day he did call me and i had forgotten all about this and like i picked up the phone and someone said hey you want to get beat up and i started like sketching out i'm like well who did i mess with what's going on and uh he's like it's bronson you want to train <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, man, sure, sure. So I went down to his place and uh, basically he kicked my ass in this basement. Um and uh <laughs> and I had a lot of fun and they uh his his uh stepdad was putting on a fight a fight card in Camp River and they asked me if I wanted uh, to compete and I said sure. And uh that's when it started like so my first day I accepted a fight. My first day like actually training. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, from there, like basically I had to like sober up and figure out how to, how to fight and get ready for this competition within, I think it was like a month and a half.
1: So did you change your diet, stop drinking, what all of this came at one time or how did you go about doing this?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Like I had, I had to cut a bunch of weight probably like twenty five pounds or something. I was I think I was around two hundred when I started. But yeah, like the biggest one was quitting drinking man and like I don't know for, for people who've uh had to do that like it's it's real hard like the night sweats and uh yeah you it, like I never got sick or anything like that which is good but but it's really hard to like uh when you're drinking all the time and like weekly every, every week or every day or whatever to get away from that's not easy, and then, on top of that, trying to figure out a way to to get in the gym and train man it's uh it's pretty hard and I had to change the diet a little bit, but
1: so chris you you know it sounds like for you, that competition that wanting to get in there and and maybe a little bit the fear of of the person standing across the cage, the ring, whatever from you pushed you to change your life, you know pushed you to to stop drinking. If someone is sort of in the same position that you're at, uh, you know, and and they don't have that kind of motivation, they don't, you know, they're not, they haven't booked a fight, and you know, they're gonna get in there and face somebody. What would you say to someone like that? How would they, how would they muster up the the motivation, the the discipline to to be able to um, confront their drinking habit or whatever else habit it is that they they want to tackle? Hmm. Um. Uh.
2: I don't know if there's an easy answer to that one, but like, uh, I think you just got to find something that you're really interested in and pursue it. Like, um, I think the drinking comes from like almost being lost. Like you're trying to fill this emptiness with the bottle or something. Um, I think that's what it is, is you got to find something that you really enjoy doing and, and just get after it. And I think, I think that, uh, you know the the drinking or whatever it is the addiction will kind of go away on its own if you're successful at at what you want to do right
3: mhm
1: so you have now and we'll we'll get to this in in a few minutes but right now you inspire a lot of kids right there there are a lot of children that are probably you know younger kids that are looking up to you and they're they're watching you fight and have success in MMA but not all of them are going to be fighters, you know. They might they might pick up martial arts and, and think this is cool. But um, hopefully they're kind of looking at you coming out of the mess that you just described and being successful at, at, at this art that you've chosen for yourself. What do you think are some sort of contributing factors that have helped you have that discipline and, and move forward that they can also cultivate you know they can they can get the same thing together and help in their own lives if they have challenges yeah all of us have challenges right hmm you know what
2: um that's a real tough one i think you know it took me a lot of experience to kind of uh to figure that out for myself but Like whatever you're doing, like whether like not everyone's gonna be an MMA fighter, like you're saying, like maybe if you play basketball or uh, soccer or whatever you do, like like I think you gotta find a purpose outside of the competition to like help yourself reach the next level, like something to really help you push. And I don't know exactly what that is for everyone, like you know what I mean? Like everyone's gotta figure that out on on their own. Mm-hmm. But I think like like the things I do with the youth was like was like giving back like that's a good one that's one that most people could get excited about right but you just got to figure out who you're going to give to and and i think that's the hardest part is just getting started and and figuring out what to do right a lot of people want to do something but they don't know where to start you know what i mean
0: i think uh chris let's just go a little bit further back for a second so I think I spoke to you before about this, about some of your role models that you had, like, kind of growing up. And you were into, uh... Was it pro wrestling that you were into back in the day? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe just talk to us a little bit about some of your role models uh, growing up and uh how that kind of shaped your persona, I think, in, uh... Uh, in, in MMA when you first started.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, when I was growing up, I, uh... I really loved uh, pro wrestling, like, you know, before I found out it was fake anyway, there was a little bit of disappointment with that, but <laughs> but anyway, when I was younger, when I thought it was real, like, I thought it was the coolest thing, like, like Hell in the Cell, I thought it was, like, uh, one of the coolest things ever, two dudes fighting inside a cage, inside a ring, um, so my favorite was uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I, I just liked... Uh, liked how he came out raised hell and slammed down a few Steve Weisers and kicked some ass. Um I think I think you can kinda see that in the first half of my uh amateur days. Like, you know, I was kinda I'd come out and uh be a little reckless. I'd finger the crowd if they booed me and you know, I didn't really have a lot of respect for my opponent and that sort of thing. I'm sorry uh, I I kind of lost track. No, that's okay.
0: So you did have role models back then. How about nowadays, now that you're uh now that you are a role model yourself, do you find that um you're giving back to people that uh that don't have role models? Um well, here's one
2: thing. Like when I was growing up, there was no um indigenous or uh or First Nations, or however you want to say it. Like, there wasn't a lot of, uh, indigenous role models, like whatever it was in pro wrestling or, uh, boxing, um, uh, music artists or, or whatever, you know what I mean? There wasn't a lot of that when I was growing up. And that kind of helped, like, make the transformation into, uh, into the wild man of the woods. Is, uh, I mean, nowadays there's a lot more um people who are doing similar things to me right and it's given uh um like native kids on the reserve or or in little communities or wherever they're at it's given them someone they can uh relate to and look up to and say like hey well maybe i i can get out there and and achieve my dreams so uh so there i there was a lot of like different role models to look up to but like uh, not, not a whole lot of uh, Aboriginal um, like athletes and stuff when I was growing up, anyways.
0: You just mentioned uh, the wild man in the woods, the uh, the Buckwest personality, which has really uh, come out, I think, for you. I think once you started your pro career, I think uh, that persona or that personality for yourself is really strong, and it's something that you can really identify with. How... What was the process like going through, not creating that character, but, like, allowing that to come to life?
2: Man, um, that's a really long story. But, like, to start, um, because I kind of thought, like, uh, if you look at my style, it's not as technical as other people. It's a little more, um, like, a little more primitive, right? And uh, it it first came up because just – just the word wild man like kind of like I fight like a wild man right that's how it started and it just kind of it just evolved slowly over time into into what you see today like uh, um, people started like noticing what I was doing and I had a cousin uh, make me a mask and I had uh, other cousins show me uh, some uh, dance moves and um, and yeah it's it's been like a long process and it just kind of it's just slowly evolved.
1: So you you, one of the things that you're doing that's that's really outstanding Chris is you've started to give back to the community and you you know you're you're taking the money you're making fighting a portion of it a pretty good chunk of it and you're buying gear for uh, for the youth for community centers what kind of prompted you to do that first the giving back thing and also the fact why why did you cho why did you choose to give sports gear back it was this something that do you think sports is a good outlet for for kids to um to engage in to keep them out of trouble what are some of your thoughts there when you when you guys decided to go do that
2: i'm really glad you asked that and um like back to my point earlier about how i got out of drugs and alcohol it, it was a pair of boxing gloves just a boxing gloves and a $5 mouthpiece, and from there I could start training, right? And then that got me where I am today. So, And not everybody wants to fight or be a boxer or whatever, so I'm not just going to go around giving boxing gloves to everyone or whatever. But but the idea is um, I just want to give these kids the tools they need to do what they want to do. Maybe they want to be a basketball player or a soccer player or volleyball or figure skating or, or whatever it is, right? Um, So so I understand, like, a pair of boxing gloves completely changed my path and brought me where I am today. And so I'm hoping to change somebody else's path with maybe a basketball or a hockey stick or whatever, you know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm
1: so help them, help them give them something so they can get into sports what's your vision? what do you see yourself continuing to do this in the long run what is what are some of the goals that you've maybe set for yourself in terms of giving back in terms of youth um as you move forward and hopefully you know you 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 become more successful you make more money as you move forward what are what are some thoughts that you have about that
2: um, you know what um just one more thought back to the last question there like sometimes if if kids don't um if they don't have the um, toys or uh sports equipment to play with, you know, they start uh doing the things I was doing and they start throwing eggs at cars or mm-hmm. or playing with fire or whatever, right? So it might not seem like a lot to some people, but um uh some good like brand new equipment that you want to use can really make a difference in your in your life, you know what I mean? Right? maybe uh some people might not understand if they've never had nothing or or a little right but when you get like a brand new like goalie equipment or something and it's uh got that new uh new gear smell it's, mm-hmm. it's fun to put on every day and and to get out there and uh and to play hockey or or play basketball or or whatever it is right
1: right it gives you that extra motivation to to get in there and 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 play the sports <clears throat> rather than doing something
2: else for sure, it makes you wanna wanna play like when I got new gear, it gets me excited to train right mm-hmm. if I got stinky stinky old gloves and the ink is dying my hands and and they smell horrible, I'm like, man, I don't wanna train today. <laughs> I don't wanna put on those stinky gloves and you know what I mean
1: right <laughs> right, absolutely
2: so uh, just, uh, anyway, sorry, uh, could you repeat that yeah, last yeah,
1: one? so I was just wondering if you you kind of started small, right? you started your very the very first batch of the stuff that you gave out was small oh, yeah. and recently I saw that you you started uh, uh making unique soccer balls and things like that, so you're definitely expanding this mission and um'm you know I just yeah. wanted to see if if you've got a vision for this is there is there somewhere going with this what's like if, if you if if you had a lot of, you know hopefully soon you'll make a lot of money and and you can continue to do what you're doing where do you see yourself going what do you see yourself doing?
2: Okay, so um yeah, I'm glad you asked because uh actually I'm just starting up a foundation.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
2: called uh Buckless Foundation.
3: Nice. And like
2: basically I'm I'm just going to be doing the same things I'm doing now, but we got the charity number um it makes it easier for uh um companies to sponsor. You know what I mean? Okay. Cuz there's paperwork involved and they can't just give me money they need a, a charity number and there's certain uh things you got to do. So this is going to open the door to get um company sponsors and uh government grants that will help me purchase more equipment and visit more reserves. And um basically like it's going to grow as much as I grow, right? Mhm. And uh it's something I'm going to continue to do and we're expanding. Something new we we're, we're going to do is uh we're going to look for individual athletes like we're going to by word of mouth just find out who's who's really talented and and we're going to sponsor them with uh with whatever they need for training and uh maybe maybe they need help with uh registration fees or whatever it is and uh basically like that that kind of gives me uh extra motivation every day when I'm training like straight up like when you're when you're getting ready for a fight like you go every day there's you're going through uh moments where you want to quit and not i don't mean like quit all together like i'm done at martial arts that does happen but what i mean is like on your first run in the morning you know you can't go forever at some point you're going to tap out and say well that's it for me right you know what i mean
3: yeah
2: and uh you're there's going to be times in jujitsu class where you're getting choked out and you're thinking man is i want to quit right now i got to tap out or maybe uh maybe coach is squishing you inside control and you're super tired. And (laughs) instead of fighting out, it might be easier to just tap or put yourself on a choke or whatever. So my point is, is that, um, keeping in mind, uh, what I'm going to be doing with my win bonus helps me not quit on each one of these battles that I got to face like every single day. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it, it, and then it translates into, uh, into what I bring in the cage as well,
0: when you're going to these communities and uh you're seeing uh these young kids get these things, and they've some of them haven't had new sports equipment in years or they've never even seen hockey sticks or they have, but they they don't get these things uh Just tell us about like your mindset like what what do you feel when you see these kids go, get all these things and you're almost like their hero to them you're like the uh the the role model that you didn't have back then
2: right right um when it's happening i don't know i'm just uh i have fun doing it like when i get to actually visit and and uh you know play a game game of ball with them or whatever it's um it's cool yeah i mean like like i'm happy with that like you said like uh being the role model I never had, or something like that, it's cool. Like when my the funnest part for me is actually um, shopping for the gear. Like I'm always like, oh, cool, this is the ball I would have wanted, or this is the goalie equipment that that kicks ass and that I would have wished I had. And um, yeah, I mean, for sure, of course, it's a it's a great feeling. Fantastic. It, it, it's it's I more so carry it along. I carry that feeling with me, and they, I I tend to remember it. At the right moment, you know. Like I said, the in those moments when you're looking for a way out.
1: So, Chris, you're you're looking looking ahead and kind of continuing your success. You're obviously looking to to to. I don't want to look past this next fight that you have. In terms of goal settings and, and moving forward, you want to get on the big show. You want to be a part of the UFC, Bellator, whatever the the, the show is. There is the money factor for sure that helps you buy more gear live a better life be more successful but in addition to that is there is there is there something is there a message is there something that that bigger platform allows you to um spread further
2: yeah man absolutely because here's the like here's the thing like I'm training out of a little town like we all know that right mm-hmm. and I'm coming into the city and I'm going up against these dudes who are coming out of bigger gyms and they got more competitors and and all that stuff, and I'm not, I'm not dogging my team. Like I love my team, and and everybody works hard, and we're all real great. But like we don't have a whole lot of competitors, right? A lot of people are just regular people who who like to come down and do Muay Thai, or they just like to do Jujitsu. So it, it's not easy for me, first of all, to win local fights, or to win fights in the in the city. Now, if I if I can make it to the UFC it's it's kind of it, it goes together with what i'm doing with the sports equipment cuz you can show look you you can uh you can achieve your goals like maybe you want to be in the nfl or the nhl whatever it is right so the same way that i got the boxing gloves if i make if i make it to the ufc i can bring a basketball to a kid and say hey man if you want to get to the to the nba you can do that right mm-hmm.
1: so every anything is possible it's not because you're from a small town, you don't have anything. If, if you have that goal and you can you can be inspired to to do right, bigger right. And like, better things.
2: Like sometimes if you don't have the big facilities or you don't have the 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 best um coaching staff or you don't have the the you know you're coming out of a little community like some of these kids you don't you, you know what I mean? Um you might feel like how am I going to make it in the big show? You know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: you might feel like you're an underdog or you can't make it because of uh maybe maybe because you're born in a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere but the truth is like honestly if if you work hard enough and you got some good people with you you, you can get it done
1: so chris one uh one kind of we're getting towards the end of uh end of this year one one question i have for you is a lot of people look at you other athletes that get in the cage, close the door, look ahead in front of them to the other opponent and just beat the crap out of each other, right? And that's that's all they see. They don't see anything else. They don't see
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: The time that dedication, anything else that's going on in the background and you know, obviously you you know firsthand about that. You know what it takes to be a successful martial artist. A successful fighter, even prize fighter, right? Can you talk about that a little bit, maybe shed some light on what are some things that they don't see they just see the blood and and whatever else is happening through the fighting
2: well um, yeah, that's a hard one, because I don't know, yeah, a lot of people just, uh, they're turned off by violence or whatever, but like, even if you don't appreciate the violence there's it takes a lot of skill and technique and uh hard work right and um i think fighting translates real well into into everything in general like whatever you're fighting for right maybe uh maybe you're fighting for a a job position or um you know what i mean or there there's all kinds of things you could be fighting for it doesn't have to be like uh a fist fight, like a, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. I, like somebody who's fighting an illness, maybe. Yeah, know?
2: absolutely. Like, right, it's all about overcoming adversity and um, things like that. I think some people who who think like that maybe never seen a fight, or maybe they just didn't want to, didn't want to get interested in it. Like I, I have a hard time. Like sometimes finding sponsors is difficult because they say, oh, it's it's too violent, it's too dangerous. I don't like that stuff. And I, I really don't know what to tell those kind of those yeah. people right
1: it's like well okay well well the reality is you're if you think about it the the time you put in the dedication you put in the, the sacrifices you make in order for you to go train every day uh, leading up to the fight and then at the fight it is literally adversity that you have to overcome right the the the, the violence is I mean kind of irrelevant if you think about it and and in at least in what 99 percent of the fights after the fact, the two dudes get up, hug each other, and it's like they're they're best friends, right? So
3: <laughs>
1: if this was if this was true violence, you wouldn't see that. You know that that sort of spirit of martial arts is not always necessarily seen.
2: Right. I mean, it, it's competition, right? It's just yeah. like it's just like football and hockey. You know, people get get hit big, and you know, there's some people who like those sports, but they don't like MMA. But I mean, like the head trauma was a lot worse than the other ones. I'm pretty sure, right?
3: Right, right.
2: Like football, like football, the concussion numbers are way worse. But, but I guess they don't see it because they're all padded up and armored up, right?
1: Yeah, it just doesn't look as bad.
2: But like I, I think the philosophy of martial arts is more like, uh, more about defending yourself and protecting yourself, and and that's that's why we see less injuries. Of course, it it does happen, right? Mm-hmm. Accidents happen and people get seriously injured. But for the most part, it's minor injuries, right? Like, I mean, I've I've went through 15 fights. I've never had a serious injury or even close to.
0: Has but your I- philosophy changed over the years since you, uh, from when you first started uh, martial arts? I, I know you were like a big fan of uh, like pro wrestling and stuff, and now your personality isn't the same. Like, has your fir- philosophy changed?
2: Right. Um yeah, for sure. Like um you know where where that came from was kind of learning about the uh, culture and um and like how uh how warriors used to deal with things back in the old day. And I think things were a lot more intense back then. Like this is just like fighting one on one like if we we're talking like weapon to the death combat it's a lot more serious, right? Um but anyway, like looking into the philosophy behind um behind some of the the culture like kind of gave me a little bit of direction and an understanding into um into like what uh what combat's all about.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about that, Chris?
2: I'm sorry about to, which?
1: To just just what you just talked about about the culture and the things you've learned that sort of warrior spirit. What what Okay,
2: like like you mean like what the philosophy yeah,
1: is. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody knows about it. So if you could share a little uh-huh. bit of it.
2: Okay, and this is back to the, the uh donating to the kids. Like that's that was one main thing is like that's that came up quite often was that the warrior's job was to protect people and provide. It wasn't about about being the baddest baddest dude around or the toughest dude or about cracking skulls, you know. It was mm-hmm. about uh about helping those those around you
1: helping people in need
2: right right like that that was the job sometimes some days that is what it was it was cracking skulls but (laughs) but that wasn't what that wasn't the main goal sometimes that just that just that needed to happen for whatever reason maybe it was to protect or, or provide or whatever right
1: chris you've got a fight coming up like we talked about at the beginning uh pulling you away from your training against Jared Ravel, he's coming down, you're going up, what's going on? Tell us a little bit about it.
2: Alright, so um, uh, you know what, it's, uh, it's a huge fight, and um, he's coming down to 80, actually, it's a catch weight, and like, basically for me, I've, I've been having trouble making 70 with the new 8% hydration limit, and uh, and i just wanted to fight like i just wanted to uh not have to deal with the weight cut and like my last fight was 80 and um the reason why we t- like normally i wouldn't take this fight against revel but it's at 80 where we're both um capped you know we can only hydrate 10% and uh it's for that middleweight title like if i can get that middleweight title i mean um I don't know if the UFC can deny me for much longer, especially with uh, you know Boulard just getting signed. So, a lot of lot of BFL champs have been signed, and if if I got those two belts, then uh, easily I think I'm next in line.
1: What's your Chris? What's your biggest motiva- motivation for getting into the UFC? Like if you had an interview just now, and and someone from the UFC said. Why should we sign you? Other than you being, you know, an exciting athlete or whatever, what is your biggest motivation for for getting to the big show?
2: My biggest motivation, well, uh, like you... Like, like so
1: just the stuff you just talked about with, with
2: giving... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I've, I've already... Uh, do you want me to touch up on that again? You've
1: already answered it, but yeah, go ahead again.
2: I mean, what motivates me is is uh first off the money and the exposure. Like if the money like I need the money to uh uh to provide for myself and my family and all that and then I need the money to uh put into uh into my charity foundation here and um and help provide opportunities for other people and to show like the biggest thing is, like I mentioned earlier, is to show people that uh, your dreams are possible, even if, even if the odds are against you, you can still still get it done.
1: Very good, man. You want just before we end here, you want to go over your social media and whatnot, so if people want to get a hold of you, they they know where to find you.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at Buckus Anderson. That's B-U-K-W-A-S. And um, follow me on Instagram. I do I do a lot of updates on Instagram with, uh, like, whatever I'm doing with the youth when I'm purchasing stuff. Um, I, I upload training videos and, and all that stuff. So I'm on Instagram at buckwass underscore.
1: Awesome. Thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to us, Chris. And uh, we'll see you real soon.
2: Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, that was fun.